the testing of faith. The word is adversity in our progression through this discipleship series. If you do not have one of the discipleship booklets, they are available in the lobby. So you can follow with us. This is message 18 in a series of 30 from this little booklet. We're learning a lot about how to walk with the Lord and be his disciple. I know that you would just as much appreciate us skipping the next three messages as perhaps I would like to skip them, but we can't. Because adversity and suffering are all a part of the discipling process. We cannot skip over this particular segment of the series. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How many believe that? Romans 8, 28. Let me see. You really believe it? All right. It's important. So that when you have car accidents and all kinds of situations occur, you're not falling apart. You recognize God is working something in your life that will be beneficial. He never said everything is good. He said everything works for good. Even when the world is responsible and the devil is responsible, he works for good because we love God and our purposes are his purposes. God turns it into good. That's what that verse means. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, we've read. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. I like that particular paraphrase of this verse. But not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Hallelujah. That's a powerful witness in itself. Added to these verses, Psalm number 29. You have your Bible open. Notice, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And then the psalmist talks about the voice of the Lord being upon the waters. The glory or the God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and strippeth bare the forests. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. There's the verse I want you to underscore. The Lord sitteth upon the flood and add the words of adversity. The Lord sitteth upon the floods of adversity. 
Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Praise the Lord. May he bless his word to our hearts. In many respects, the booklet that we have before us says, in many respects, the Christian life is a life of testing. Through adverse situations, God purifies and takes out of our lives those things that are not pleasing to him. Trials are to be expected, but should never be viewed as punishment. That needs highlighting. Trials are to be expected, but should never be viewed as punishment. How often people seem to think that they have done something wrong and God is wrathful and vengeful toward them because of their wrongdoing. Notice again that line. It is an important line to our spiritual health and well-being. Trials are to be expected, but should never be viewed as punishment. God is working for our good. Now, the Psalm 29 passage speaks very loudly about the voice of the Lord, that God speaks. We are all ready to listen to the voices of nature. Some speak of going to the mountains because they can hear the voice of God there. Or the voices of the sea or of the storm or the voices of the stars. The springtime is like an evangelist preaching of God's love. The voice of the Lord. I was the other evening in the driveway of my son's home and I had just stopped by on my way home and little Caleb was out there on the sidewalk in his pajamas, ready to go to bed. It was a warm evening, and he was with Daddy shutting off the water and getting things all tidied up before going to bed. And, uh, of course, he came to me. I picked him up, and it was one of those beautiful nights where the moon was shining and the stars were out, and it was very obvious. And little Caleb looked up and pointed to the moon, and he said, Moon! And then he pointed to a star and another star, and we were examining the universe. And I stood there holding him and trying to take in some of his awe as he looked up into the expanse of the sky to see God's handiwork, and it occurred to me that even God was speaking to that little tyke, not yet two years old, by the things he had made and placed out there in such a magnificent way. God's voice. There are times we need to listen to the voice of the Lord, not just the voice of the mountain or the voice of the sea, but the voice of the Lord coming through those things, talking to us. Many floods that arise in our lives, floods of heartache, floods of loneliness, floods of sorrow, floods of sickness, 
Can we say that God sits at those floods? That's the point of the emphasis today. Can we say in our hearts, Yes, Lord, I know you are sitting at this flood tide in my life. I do not have to be shaken. I do not have to be overcome. The Lord sat king at the flood, and you're sitting king at this flood in my life, whatever that flood may be. What flood is rising in your life this morning? What testing are you going through? God is sufficient. David Reaver stood here some time ago and told of that flood in his life, that adversity, the grenade that exploded in his hand when a, a bullet went through his hand into the grenade as he was preparing to throw it into a bunker, blew off half of his face, a finger, mangled some of his body, fell into the water, burning from that phosphorus grenade underwater, literally burning alive, but came up out of that water shouting, God, I still believe in you. And he went on to tell us all of the things he went through after that adversity that came to his life. But all of us, when he finished, stood to our feet. We applauded. We got rather carried away, I thought, when David Reaver told his story. But what were we saying? Here is a man who came through. Here is a man who proved God in the adversity and the 55 surgeries that he went through and all of the turmoil of that horrible experience and the remaking of his face and the providing of plastic ears for the hole in his head and all of the things he went through, he was saying, God sat at the key, as king at the flood tide of my life, and I testify of a God who is with you even in adversity. And we exploded at that in our emotions because we know it to be true for somebody else. But do we know it to be true for ourselves? What flood is rising in your life? Well, I want to go back today and take some of the Bible characters in my message and just sort of unfold for you what happened in their life. The first one is Noah. God was sitting king when Noah was building an ark and went into that ark after 120 years of construction. Psalm 68, verse 33 reads, To him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, lo, he doth send out his voice, and that a mighty voice. Now, we certainly can understand the mighty voice of God in the flood at Noah's time. Verse 3 of Psalm 29, where we read from a few moments ago, says, Upon the waters... It's sort of the beginning of the entire story of the flood. Distant mutterings upon the waters. The general impression is that the storm is leashed. The God of glory is not yet apparent. 
but he's moving, he's working, he's preparing, he's upon the waters, moving. And Noah builds the ark. Noah builds the ark for 120 years without a sign of flood, without a sign of problem. He's building the ark because he's heard from God. Verse 4 says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The word powerful announces a new phase, a scene of increasing action. As the branches of great trees are tossed about and then torn away by great gusts of wind, God speaking. Then there's a mighty display of power. The voice of God speaks. The flood covers the earth. The fountains of the deep are open and the skies burst forth with water. God is talking. The flood comes upon the earth. The voice of the Lord is powerful. Psalm 29 says, then you come to verse 9 and there is a scene of peace. The storm passes away. A breathlessness prevails as the Lord sits king of the flood. See him sitting over top of that as mighty God. Nature listened to his voice. Nature rose up, poured out its vengeance upon the earth. But then as the voice of the Lord is heard, the trees stop breaking, the winds stop blowing, the water stops coming forth. The Lord sits king of the flood just as he sits over kingdoms which crumble at the sound of his voice. And Noah witnessed all of it. He took heed to the voice of the Lord. The beginning of it. In the heart of the storm and then after the storm. And David picks up this beautiful picture in Psalm 29 and he says to sum it all up, the Lord sat king at the flood. Lo, the Lord sitteth king forever. The flood tide of human experience. Noah's faith was tested. God spoke. And God sat king at the flood tide of Noah's life. You may be saying today, I wonder when the flood is going to end. Don't forget Noah. 120 years. 120 years from the time God spoke to him until the flood came. Noah waited. Noah was ridiculed. Noah was mocked. Noah was made fun of. But Noah knew that God had spoken. And he waited patiently on the Lord. There is our big problem, patience. We just don't want to wait. We want to get it over with. We want it all to end. But Noah learned that God speaks and God will do according to his purpose and according to his will. And when it's all over, you can say, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord sat king at the flood. Then there's Job. We read about him in our scripture reading. 
Though friends and family had forsaken him, he expresses his confidence in God by saying, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job 13, verse 15. What a story is the story of Job. In chapter 40, he said, Behold, I am vile. And God spoke to him out of the whirlwind and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man. The storm was on, friends. The storm was on. Boils from head to toe. Seated upon an ash heap. And yet he could say, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. His faith was tested. God sat king. You turn to the last chapter of Job, and it says majestically the latter end of Job was greater than the former. In all of this, Job did not curse God. Job did not doubt God. Job did not give up on God in all of this. Job trusted God, and God sat king in Job's flood tide experience until the latter end was greater than the former. He had more houses, more lands, more cattle. He had more of everything because he knew that God would bring him through. God works for our good in everything. Even when your sons and daughters are being taken? Yes. Even when the houses are being burned down and the camels and the sheep plundered? Yes. Even when there's death? Yes. God works for our good. If we love God and we recognize his purpose, I was so impressed at the recent death of Bertha Peterson of our congregation when sharing with Vern, her husband. Vern said, you know, I think we hold on to our loved ones too long many times. We ask God for things that are not always in God's plan and God's purpose, and we struggle and we fight with God. I think we hold on to our loved ones many times too long. What was Vern saying? He was saying that during Bertha's long illness and then her death, he had been talking to him. Did he come to the memorial service perplexed and in wonderment? No. He came in peace. He came in rest. He came recognizing that God was sitting king at the flood. The testing of faith had proven victorious in Vern's life. He had committed Bertha to an all-wise, all-sufficient heavenly father, and the greatest healing of all had taken place, for the Lord had taken her home to be with him forever. No more sickness, no more suffering. Vern Peterson experienced it. He spoke it out. We hold on too long. We have a tendency to try to play God when we ought to let 
Let God be God. And that's what this message and these verses are about. Letting God be God. The testing of our faith must come. God knows what is best. Even in the death of our loved ones. Even in the sicknesses that may come into these bodies. Into the adverse circumstances of our lives. God says, I am God. And I will sit king at the flood tide of your life. Don't fight with me. Rest in me. Job learned how to do that, perhaps like no other man recorded in the Bible. Job was tested, but God sat king. Third man I refer to is Jonah. Jonah rose up to flee under Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, verse 3 of chapter 1 says. Now, that little statement, went down to Joppa, is a very significant statement. It's the story of a man fleeing from his Lord, running from what God wanted in his life. Many flee from the voice of God. God says, go here, do this, take this responsibility, share here, and we run. We go down. Because when fleeing, we always seem to be going down. Have you ever discovered that? You never seem to be going up. You're always going down when you're fleeing from the voice of God. He went down to Joppa. Then in verse 4, the very next verse, we read these words. God sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest. Now, who of us would have said, that's God at work? We would have said, boy, look what the devil's bringing our way. It wasn't the devil, it was God. God had a disobedient prophet on his hands. God had a man to deal with who was seeking his own way and his own will and was going down. And so God sends out a great tempest and a mighty wind to arrest his prophet. And he has a way of doing that, doesn't he? The storm was on. A mighty tempest arose. It was so great that those in the ship on the way to Tarshish said, somebody here is causing this. And all of the fingers pointed to Jonah. And so they said, there's only one answer. Let's throw him overboard. Now, who of us would have said, God is in this? Surely this is not the work of God, but it was. And most of us would have said, this is the end. Forgetting that God can provide a great fish, even when we're thrown overboard, and work according to his purpose. And that's exactly what he did. Jonah went overboard, and a great fish took him in. Unusual motel for three days and nights. But that's where he stayed, for three days and nights. No television, no maid service. He had to prepare his own meals down there with whatever the whale or the great fish took in. Secondhand meals, leftovers. 
But he did something else in there. He prayed unto God. He didn't forget God. Isn't that great? He didn't throw up his hands and say, God, you're mean. You're not fair. Jonah knew it was his own fault. He repented. And he prayed from the belly of the fish. And he said, God, give me another chance. And God said, okay. That's all God wanted in the first place. And he touched the sick nerve of that fish and made him puke. <laughs> you know, when you're going down and running from God, you're liable to make anything sick. And the old whale couldn't handle this disobedient prophet, so it erped him up. And even then, God was gracious because he erped him up on dry ground. Wasn't out in the middle of the sea. Isn't that great? God is so good. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. Away he goes. I believe it, Lord. God sat king on the ship in the belly of the fish. On the ground, Jonah was vomited out to go to Nineveh to tell the people God's message. There's a price when running. The testing of faith is not always pleasant, but priceless. I mean, who could tell a story like this other than a man who was dealt with by God? How could all of the ingredients of a story like this come together except God bring them together to teach us the adversity of faith? The testing of faith is that which God brings about that we may be worthy servants of his. If you're going down, you might consider some of the experiences you're going through as God-given, God-granted, God-permitted so that you may come forth as gold tried in the fire and be a servant like Jonah was who turned Nineveh to God, a city of over half a million people repented overnight because a man had been dealt with by God. I would say that's worthwhile. The adversity was worthwhile in its result. Another man in the scripture is Elijah. The people will cry, where is the God of Elijah? And this God will come and sit king at the fire on top of Mount Carmel. The Lord, he is the God, the people cry, as the fire of God falls. The Lord, he is the God. You cannot withstand his storm. The servant is sent to look for a cloud. Seven times more he went out, and finally the cloud appeared. Then a mighty gusher as a great rain falls. The drought ended. God spoke through Elijah on Mount Carmel. The fire fell. Through Elijah, the cloud came. Through Elijah, the drought ended. God was speaking through his servant. What should we cry? Oh, Lord, let the world hear your voice. No matter how that voice may come, let the world hear your voice, that they may know, that they may believe, that they may enter in. 
Then, of course, there's Jesus himself, the greatest test of all. He died. He hung lifeless on a cross. God could have spared his son from that death if he so chose. But he didn't. The thunder clapped, the earth quaked, the graves of some of the saints were opened, and the people feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Those that just a short time before were crying, crucify him, were now pleading for mercy. On the third day, the king came forth. True faith will always be tested. There will always be a resurrection where there's true faith. Though he died, though they crucified him, though he was buried, he came forth out of that tomb victorious. His words were true. His followers discovered he was indeed the Son of God. There was the testing of faith, but the proving of that faith as the resurrection burst forth on history. There is a resurrection in every testing. Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus coming forth reveals it so. Many of you have been inspired by the testimony of Carol Schuler, Dr. Robert Schuler's daughter. On a trip to Hawaii on a cruise ship, after losing her leg in a motorcycle accident in Iowa, there was a talent contest on board the cruise ship, and Carol said, I want to participate. What she wanted to do was just share what had taken place in her life. So she stood to speak, and she said something to this effect, you've watched me walk this ship this week, and I don't walk too well. I have a limp and my leg looks funny. I cannot walk as well as most of you, but that is not really so important. More important than the way I walk is who I walk with, that young teenager said. Her voice began to crack and break as emotion began to fill her bosom. And she said, since I was in the ditch alone with my Lord, from that time on I knew I would never be alone again. Then she looked at those on board that ship and said, does he walk with you? What a testimony. Her faith tested lying in a ditch with her parents out in the country of South Korea. Blood oozing from her body, not knowing whether she would live or die. But now, after more than one surgery to repair the damage, she stands to say, more important than the way I walk is who I walk with. And my friends, I don't know how it could be said any better, more important than what is happening to you is what's happening in your relationship to God. Who is walking with you? It doesn't matter whether you have both limbs or not. It doesn't matter if you have your eyesight or you can hear me well 
or whatever the situation may be, what is important is who are you walking with? And Carol, out of that experience, said, I know that I will never walk alone again. And there are people who walk away from church feeling they're alone, and it should never happen, my beloved friends. The testing of your faith will work patience. It will work an exceeding weight of glory in your life. You will discover God in a new dimension if you will just let him be God. In the Reader's Digest was the account of a little girl coming home from a neighbor's house where her little friend had died. Her mother questioned her, why did you go? The little girl's answer was to comfort her mother. The father chimed in by saying, what could you do to comfort her? The little girl replied, I climbed up into her lap and cried with her. Now, friends, that's an exact picture, I believe, of what I find in the Scripture. Instead of putting God at arm's length and questioning his ways and questioning his dealings with us, the correct picture is climbing up into his lap and just letting go. If you need to cry, go ahead and cry. He can handle it. And the comfort comes as the two of you sit together and consider Oh, the joy of hearing his voice. Even when the lightning is flashing and the trees are breaking and the earth is quaking, oh, the joy of hearing his voice. That's what Psalm 29 is all about. That's what the experience was in the lives of all of these that I have cited in your presence this morning. The joy of hearing his voice. Did you know there's always conversation between earth and heaven? If you'll just listen, it's going on right now. Somebody is saying, is it as grand up there as you thought it would be? And the answer comes thundering back. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Do you hear the voice from heaven today? Somebody says, do you have any more struggle for bread? And the answer comes, we hunger no more, we thirst no more. Somebody from earth says, have you been out to the cemetery of the golden city? And the answer comes, there is no death there. Somebody says from earth through the night, we look out and say, where do you get your light from and what do you burn in the temple? And the answer comes back, there is no night here and we have no need of candle or of star. And somebody here says, what book do you sing out of? And the answer comes, it's called the Hallelujah Chorus. And we say, don't you ever get lost there? And the reply is, the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne leads us, and he hath wiped all tears from our eyes. You see, there's constant conversation going on between earth and heaven. If we listen, faith is always rewarded. Tested first and then rewarded. 
What are you looking to? Who are you looking to? Men may have their atom and hydrogen bombs. They may take his name in vain and disregard his word, but God still sits king at the flood. God still rules over the affairs of men. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. John 10, 4 reads. And in Revelation 3, 20, John said, in recording the words of our Lord, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man will hear my voice and will open the door. I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. What is the key? My sheep know my voice. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in and will have fellowship with him. Are you hearing his voice? Psalm 29, verse 10, The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. We are cast down, but we are not crushed. We are not forsaken. For in our distress, the Lord helps us. He reaches down and lifts us up. And we find a new dimension in life. We find a new sphere of living. That which we feared that which we dreaded turns out to be a friend, a blessing, a savior to us. And all of us will be able to say, the latter end is greater than the former. I have trusted, therefore I enter in to the reward. Are you growing in that dimension? Or have you come to church arguing with God, questioning God? struggling with God, holding your fist in God's face. May I suggest to you today, you relax, unclench your fist, put your hand in God's hand, hear his voice today, let him speak to you today. As he spoke to Noah, as he spoke to Job, as he spoke to Jonah, as he spoke to Elijah, as he spoke to his own son Jesus and said, though you will die in three days, I will raise you again. And he came forth in power, in resurrection, and you will too. If you allow your faith to be tested, the adversity may come, the winds may blow, the thunder may be heard, but you will come forth as gold refined in the fire, and you will say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Hallelujah. It's a part of the growing process. We can't get away from it. So we might as well relax and say, God, be God. I trust you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, as we have been sharing this morning and experiencing this service, there is the consciousness of need among us.